thankful for the name of the Lord, thankful for that beautiful name that we can call on it today. Um, such a wonderful presence of the Lord in this place. And I thank you for being here uh, this afternoon, gathering together. And I truly believe the Lord will bless uh, you being with us and listening online, making time for him and among one another today. Thank you for standing and worshiping. You may be seated. So oddly enough, I don't feel like Arash and I are ever on the same page that much. You all know that I'm married to Arash, right? So when, when we have those moments where I'm like, that's on the same page, it's like it logs in my memory as a reason that we're going to make it. So, um, so today with his silly, you know, and it's, it's silly in a good way. I'm not diminishing it. Uh, but with his just a thought, I thought that's exactly what today, if I could choose a word about uh, what the Lord has for us, I believe it would be perspective that, um, and you'll see, you'll hopefully see it. That's the point of, you know, trying to relay that to you today. But uh, this message is really, truly about perspective ours and then of course uh it, ours through our lens and our humanity which is imperfect but don't worry we all are so i'm not looking at anybody and calling you imperfect we're all imperfect uh but through the lens of a god who knows all things then as another perspective that we're going to be looking at as we study the scriptures so that was really great logging today as a, a win for the marriage um but uh, I'm going to be reading in just a minute from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Uh, some of you might know when I said Philippians 4, 13, uh, what scripture I'm going to be looking at, uh, because it's one of the most well-known New Testament, probably biblical, uh, verses amongst people, even non-Christians. Uh, I read uh, while surfing the internet that next to John 3.16, the one that's for God so loved the world, he gave us his only son, so that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I know I didn't say that exact, but that's John 3.16. So next to John 3.16, Philippians 4.13 is the most searched scripture on the internet and some source said in particular by sports teams. I just thought that was such a funny fact. I'm like, okay. Uh, but I can believe that because of the, the way that we typically use um, and, you know, the, the situation that typically that verse is turned to. So this leads me to the next point that it's also one of the most misused and misapplied scriptures. Um, it's usually shortened to, I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do, leaving off the most important half of it, which is the qualifying part of the statement that Paul made. I think we probably grieve Paul when, if he can hear us, I don't know what happens in heaven, but you know, that he's like, oh, like this every time. So think about this verse, especially in the abbreviated form that we often quote it. Um, and, and when it's typically used, uh, how, when have you heard this used? When have maybe you used it yourself? Not trying to beat up on you, but 
just thinking about how, okay, if I've quoted that verse, in what context have I used it uh, or heard it quoted? Because, you know, we want to ask ourselves, what when we come to the biblical text and we read scripture, what is Paul, who happened to, to write this in his epistle, his letter to the Philippians, what is he really saying here? And I know I haven't read it yet. We're going to get there. Uh, is Paul telling us to believe in ourselves? Is he uh, telling us that Christ empowers us to do whatever we set our minds to? Okay. In these verses, what Paul is doing is that he's revealing that he has a secret to share. Can I have my title slide? So Philippians 4, chapter 13, is Paul saying, the secret's out. I've got a secret and I got to share it. And not me, Paul was saying this. Okay. Um, and I have to share with you all when the um, our visual team, thank you. Let's give them a, a, a round of applause, our visual team. Um, when they, they work hard to do our graphics and, you know, come up with things that, that uh, make sense for our, our sermon titles and things like that. And um, so while the, the first rendition of The Secret is Out was a little cat, it was so cute, a little cat peeking out of a bag, like letting the cat out of the bag. You know, that's an expression we use when a secret is out. It's like, oh, she let the cat out of the bag. Um, but when I kind of thought about if you see that cat out of the bag, if you see that picture and we say that, what is typically, you know, meant when we say that? It means someone oh, oh, mistakenly let something out. Oh, she let it out too soon. Oh, she ruined the surprise party. But surprise. So typically we say cat out of the bag. The cat's been let out of the bag when it's been like a little like, oops, mistake. But I thought that this was perfect. So I got back to the, you know, perfect that they sent that as the, or the original slide. Hey, uh, Meg, would you like to use this for your sermon title? So I got back to them. I said, well, it's a really cute graphic. You know, Paul, what I want to get across is that Paul didn't let this accidentally slip out. Paul was intentional. He's like, I got to write this down now. Paul's sitting in prison. We'll get there soon. But he doesn't know what tomorrow brings. Paul's sitting in prison. He's like, I, I got a secret. I figured something out and I've got to share it. And anybody who wants to hear it, I, you know, I got to get this out. So it was more of this guy here. Like if he could have had, if Paul could have had that, what are those called? Megaphone and just let it blow through the prisons and all, you know, prison walls and to all they could hear. Paul was very intentional about getting this, uh, this secret out that he wanted to share that he had figured out. And um, so it's kind of bubbling out of him. So let's go ahead and read that passage then, Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. Uh, I'll read from the NLT, the New Living's Translation, and then I just wanted to read from the NET as well uh, in one verse because I liked some of the wording it used. So chapter uh, 4, verses 10 through 13 says, How I praise the Lord, Paul speaking, that you are concerned about me again, writing to the church um, of Philippi. Is that right? The Philippian church. I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything. I have learned, here's his secret, the secret of living in every situation 
whether it's a full stomach or empty with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I want to read verse 12 and 13, uh, which I did not give to our visual team. I was just going to read it um, in comparison to you all from the NET, which also says, I have experienced times of need and times of abundance in every and good circum, I'm sorry, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment, whether I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing. I am able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. So Philippians is a thank you letter of sorts from the Apostle Paul to the Philippian church, whom he loved for their gifts and their support of his mission from the, its very beginning. When we find Paul writing this to the Philippian church and sending this message out, he sent it with a messenger. Um, Paul's in, he's in prison, and he's been doing some reflecting over his life because, you know, what, what else are you going to do when you're held captive in a Roman prison? Okay, it's not like the prison system of, of our today. The Roman prison uh, system was harsh, and Paul wasn't quite certain yet if what his future included. It might be death. It might be, uh, uh, you know, f for other things, but he wasn't sure. So he's writing, in my words, I, I, I'm calling it, he's writing to his loved ones, uh, the church that he loved. Um, and, and if you read the rest of this chapter four in Philippians, um, it's kind of, a, a, his thank you was kind of a funny sort of thank you. Note, it almost sounds a little bit ungrateful the way he's talking um, for, for all that the church has kind of supported him in. Uh, because essentially he's saying, hey, guys, thanks for your support. I've uh, felt the love. I've always felt the love, but I honestly never really needed it. Uh, but thank you. That's kind of the, 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 you know, the feel you get from what he's saying. It almost seems a little ungrateful, but he has to say it that way. At least I think so, uh, because he has something really important to share with them. And Paul clearly wants to make known his independence from anything and anyone, which is what sounds a bit rude in verse 10, but he wants to make known that he, his independence from anything, including himself, on this mission he's been on for Christ, however it ends. And he says uh, what he says in verse 10 in order to emphasize what he reveals then in verse 12 and in particular verse 13, that he's found the secret to being content in any situation. And I liked how the, um, which one said it? I liked how the NLT said, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Um, so his independence is not this stemming from this inflated sense of self uh, or his abilities, his confidence in his own abilities. Rather, it's a statement of his total dependence on God in his everyday life. And, you know, because he's writing this from prison, and yet Paul still speaks of his unwavering confidence 
and God and the plan that he has for his future. How many people would be sitting in prison, in a Roman prison, you know, nonetheless, and thinking about the future that they still have in Christ? It, it just seems non, you know, nonsensical, but, but this is the confidence that he has in Christ, that there is still a plan for him. But this big, great, and, you know, glorious secret that I'm sure Paul was just so happy to send with his messenger and say, take this to the church and let the people know this. This big, glorious secret has now, in our modern days, been turned on its head. And instead of this verse being understood as the need for total dependence on God, it's become a source of kind of our personal empowerment affirmations in the morning in the mirror. Uh, rather than this verse being about how God's spirit empowers us to live out his plan, to live out God's plan in our lives, no matter what comes our way, this verse has become, I can do all the things I put my mind to because Christ will give me the strength to do what I put my mind to do. And isn't that how we usually use it? If we're honest with ourselves, we don't like to be honest, but these things, you know, if we want to benefit from scripture and from the promises of God, we've got to ask ourselves, is that, is that how I use it? <laughs> is that what I really think? You know, when I say it, uh, and we usually turn to this verse when we want to pray about the really big impossible. We don't pray this verse about making dinner. We pray this verse about the things, the big ambitions, dreams, goals. It's fun to dream and make goals. But in Christ, God gives us those. He transforms us and lets us in, invites us in on the plan that he has for us. And most of the time changes those dreams and those goals. Amen. And so it's no longer about God's spirit empowering us to participate in his plan. It's no longer, when we use the scripture in, in, the, in the misused way, it's no longer about God being, God the one being in control. It's no, you know, God doesn't empower our self-made plans. That's not what the scripture means. God's plans can't be fulfilled through our self-sufficiency. The two, it's like a magnet that goes like this. You're trying to connect it and the, you know, the magnets that repel one another. That's usually my marriage. No, all right. We'll go to, yeah, we'll, we'll do other, I won't talk about that right now. Uh, no, but you know, it's, it, it, that's, that's how it is when we say, Lord, just bless my plan. I'm, I filled you in. God bless it. Give me strength. Thank you, Lord. Okay. So <clears throat> what did Paul really mean, which I've already alluded to, you know, what did he really mean? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So when we take scripture out of context, we interpret the Holy Scriptures to mean what we want them to mean. And then we apply that message to our lives. We make that message our prayer as if it is the Word of God. Oh, I'm just quoting Scripture. I can do all the things I want if I put my mind to it, and I'll ask God to give me the strength to do it. God will give me the, the stamp of approval. And, you know, in fact, in our small group curriculum meetings, you know, we, we meet to, to kind of think and think about um, topics and things that we'd like to include in our small groups down the road. And um, this topic, this uh, around common scriptures that have been misinterpreted or misused and, you know, 
or taken out of context. That's been one of our um, ideas we've bounced around. So we might see a series on this in the future. If we do, I want to write the one on Philippians chapter 14, verse thir- uh, chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, I call that. So anyway, is this recorded? It is. I have it on record. Okay. So now that we've got it settled, what I'm going to write on, um, no, I'm kidding. But it, it because this ha- what, my point in saying that is that this type of thing happens with other verses in Scripture, too. And sometimes it's innocent. It's like, oh, I just, you know, I, I, I didn't realize I was, you know, misusing that or thinking about it in the wrong way. That's why we study the Scriptures. So that's why, you know, we're, we're setting up a class for biblical interpretation. How do we properly come to the scriptures? I'm not trying to make it complicated. You know, God is, the, his spirit is the one that illuminates our minds and transforms our minds, helps us to understand his word. But also there's several things to take into consideration when we read the biblical text. And so, um, it, yeah, just a little taste of what might come down the road here So at some point. Um, so we want to read into the scriptures, you know, and seek to understand what was meant by the author. So Paul is not declaring his ability. Uh, you know, without that second half of verse 13, he's, he's not declaring his ability. I can do all things. Um, but without that second half of verse 13, it would sound that way. Oh, Paul has figured out how to just muster up, how to, how to do whatever he has set before him. Uh, he's found out that secret. But he does say, I, I can do all things. I'm able to do all things. He qualifies that statement with what he's truly pointing to, what he's truly talking about, where the true sense of why he's saying he can do all things, it's not in himself. He says he's able to do all these things because of the one who continually gives him strength to live out that plan that uh, God has given him for his life and the mission he set before him. So Paul is making this claim, actually, without Christ, I couldn't do this. I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't have the strength in and of myself. Uh, Paul knew what it was like to be self-sufficient. He's pretty good at it. He had a life before Christ. Can I say it that way? You know, uh, he had, he, he was a leader. He, you know, had power. He was educated. He had resources at his fingertips. Um, and so Paul knew what it was to be self-sufficient in and of himself and think that he's got it all figured out. And many of us have had lives before coming to Christ. We know what it's like to lean on ourselves, and, and that's who we have to lean on. To everything to stem out of us, we have to come up with, you know, we got to make the plans, the idea, how to do it, how to execute it, how to, all of it, in the, in the um, burden of figuring out how to do uh, life has been, you know, we, we all have that, have come from that place before turning our lives over to God. And if you haven't done that today, you can do it. It's as easy as saying, Lord, I want a life lived for you. Amen. I want to give you my plans and I want your plans to fall into my heart and my mind and and chase after those. Amen. Um, so 
I find this encouraging. I know it's meant to be encouraging, but I find this encouraging what Paul is saying here because he's speaking about his confidence in, in it's in Christ to face the ups and downs of everyday life. And he's saying this after becoming a Christian. He's saying, uh, Christ gives me the strength in every situation. And even as Christians, even as those of us who are saved by the grace of God, life was messy before God, but in Christ, we still live in a broken world. We're still imperfect beings, and life looks a little bit messy sometimes even in Christ. And so Paul's saying this from the the point of reflecting back on his walk with God, saying, yeah, there were ups and downs. There were days of plenty, days of want. There were days of hunger, days of uh, uh, abundance. But Christ gave me the strength through it all because he has a plan for me and he gives me the strength to fulfill that plan. And, you know, we don't like the reality of that. You know, being Christian doesn't mean troubles fade away. Uh, I wish it did. You know, well, we do have the hope of that actually in heaven. Amen. The hope of glory that troubles will be gone, that there's no more mess in heaven. Um, but God, you know, like Paul, he has a plan for each of our lives. And that plan included the redemption of the whole world as well. And so Paul's message is for all of us. I know we're reading a text he wrote, he wrote to the Philippian church, but this is for the church of God. That includes us today. So let's be challenged by Paul's words here. And to use um, Pastor Leela's words from last week's sermon, let's fully lean into what Paul is, is truly sharing, the secret he's truly sharing, um, and test out his words in our own walk with God, leaving, you know, that um, uh, self-sufficient, self-sufficiency totally behind. Just as Paul spoke, you know, he had to keep moving. He had to keep making decisions. I'm not going to lean on myself. I'm going to lean on the Lord. I'm going to seek the Lord and his plan. I'm going to ask him what's next, Lord. I don't know, but I'm going to lean on you. Amen. So in order for us to fully lean into God's plan and lean on the Lord's strength, it requires that we just completely uh, turn away from our own ways of doing things and how we think in every situation that we face. One thing that, if I could thank Paul, uh, Paul, if you're out there and you can hear this, thank you. Okay, I'm just being silly. I don't really think he can hear us, but um, you know, I would want to thank Paul for including, and I know, this, you know, what we're reading is, a, is a, a translation of the original text, but it includes Paul's, what he said in his original language includes this word, every. I want to thank Paul for including this word, every, when he said, every situation, um, because this includes when life is good. Did you ever think about that? I really hadn't. So that was, that was for me. Um, but I hadn't really thought about it. I thought, oh, I actually think that it's harder to follow sometimes, Can, if I could say it this way, the plan of God when life is going good. Because when life is going good, even in, in, in the will of God, I mean, I'm sure Paul was like, why does prison have to be a part of your plan, Lord? I was doing the right thing. I'm spreading your gospel. I'm talking about you. I'm doing the right thing. And and I'm in prison. You know, he wasn't complaining. I'm, I'm just making up speech here. But um, 
you know, I think it's harder to follow God's plan because, you know, it really requires, you know, we've got to draw on God's strength because it requires that denial of our own will and our own plans when things are going well to creep back up again and say, oh, if I can coast this, Lord, I'll make it to heaven. If we could just stay right in this sweet spot, Lord, I'll make it to heaven. I'll make it. I can do this because things are going well. Because you see, it's not like Paul said, it's not just about getting through the hardships, although we definitely need God in those times and to draw on his strength. It's not just getting through the hardships that we look to draw strength from God. We need it when the going's good, especially. We need God to help us to keep ourselves in check and to keep him in his place of honor and glory for all that he has done. We need to draw from God's strength to stay humble and not be proud. We need to, you know, we need God to help us to continue to prefer the other and not live entitled when the going is good, to be kind and not hurtful, you know, to be honest and not rude. Uh, our human nature, you know, this is no surprise a statement here, but our human nature will always be in tension with the things of God. So verse 13 saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength is not only a response to misery and suffering in our walk with God, but it's all our attitude and our, uh, you know, it's, it's our attitude and, and we need to feel that need for God in the good and the comfortable and the peaceful times too. Amen. Because when those change, when those plans change up, we we're like, mm, you were resistant. Not, I, mm, I don't want to go that way, Lord. Things are good. I, I, we're resistant to it. So we need God to keep us obedient in the good times as well to his plan. Sometimes we may take the approach to our situations and think, I just need God's strength until I get to this income bracket. Lord, if you could just get me to this income bracket, I can surf it from there. I go, yeah, I'm good. Or once I have the relationship that I really want, I can handle everything then. I'll be all right. I'll be on the right mind. I'll feel secure, safe. I'll be okay. Even if we don't say that or admit that, that's what we think. And then, of course, what we think then comes out in our actions. All right, Lord, I'll take over now. Thank you. You got me through where I really needed. Thank you for getting me out of that. Like he's a superhero. I mean, he is. But you know what I'm saying? Not just to come down, you know, Spider-Man put on his suit when he sees someone's in trouble, come down, swoop, and then go back to his place and just watch what we do. You know, no, God wants to be, a, he, he, he planned to be a part of our everyday life. Amen. The good and the bad. And so we can act like we don't need God when things are going well. Uh, or when life is good and we feel blessed, you know, we sometimes uh, abandon the need for God's plan in our life anymore uh, because life's good. We don't need anything to change. And, you know, I, I think in some ways it's kind of a natural response when things are going well. It's like, all right, I'm I'm good for a while. It's, we want, I want it to stay like this forever. I'd be good. If nothing ever changed, I'd be good. 
But we know we serve an active God. He's a living God. And so things are constantly on the move, and we want to move with where the Spirit is going, not just plant our feet and say, okay, Lord, isn't your plan complete now? Wink, wink, hint, hint. It'd be a good time to stop. You know, no, it's it, it, God's in control. We want to move with the Spirit. We want to uh, fulfill the plan that God has for our lives as a church. You know, we can apply this on several different layers here. Um but that mentality can cause us to miss what, what God has in store for us. Um, or sometimes in our own abilities, you know, we think we're enough for the task before us. I've already mentioned Paul was a very capable man, and he really wasn't lacking. He had the skills. He could speak well. He could, you know, probably uh, hold people's attention and, and uh, be in charge uh, all on his own, you know, his own personality. But he found out that in order to fulfill the plan that God had for him, he had to be totally dependent on God. Not lean on himself, but lean on God. Not look to his own abilities, but look to, to God's strength to help, help him to fulfill what God had and have the strength to do it. Um, because when we're questioning the plan, we can get distracted. And uh, so the strength to stay on course, to empower him to fulfill those plans he has, uh, he had for his life, just like the Lord has plans for our life. And his spirit empowers us to do the plan he has for uh, our lives as well. So good situations can be just as deceptive about God's plans as our difficult situations can be. And so we never want to look to our situation to understand God's plan, the good or the bad. Scripture says that we look through a glass darkly. When we try to understand God's plan for us through what our situation looks like, we only conf- it gets confusing. Doesn't it get confusing? It gets muddled. It get oh, we start questioning. We, yesterday we thought it was a good plan. Today, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to keep going, you know, but we look through a glass darkly. We cannot look to our situation to understand what God is doing as he's invited us and uh, invited us so we could participate in the plan that he has for his church. We can as easily abandon participation in God's plan for our lives when it's going well and when it's going hard. So we need that strength that only comes from God. Amen to sustain us. So we're not to walk around believing that we can do life. You know, it's a, that's a saying these days, unless it was yesterday saying, I don't know, but you know, I live in a bubble. I just live in my little mom life. So I don't, I don't know what the sayings are now, but I know we used to say, Oh, do life. You know, we, we walk, we can't walk around believing that we can do life without God working it out for us. I mean, in a way, I'm kind of like, okay, Lord, if you're going to work out the plans for my life, yay, one less thing for me to do. I mean, I'm kind of like, yay. It's just that when we don't like it, then we're like, oh, can I have the control back now? So, um, you know, God's plan for us was never to include being without him. Amen. Paul spoke these words from a place of experience Again, he's looking back on his walk with God while he's not quite sure what tomorrow brings. Uh, But he isn't speaking from a place of a puffed-up ego 
or from a downtrodden place, even though he is in prison, he's not feeling downtrodden. But this is his experience in all things when you are in Christ Jesus. You know, maybe a a good or a bad circumstance in your life brought you to God and made you aware of your need for, for God in your life. And, you know, that's how some of us got here. That's how most of us got here, I'm sure. But no situation ever removes the need for God in our lives. Amen. There's a consequence that comes with either decision to follow your own plan and miss what God has. Or uh, uh, Paul knew that the obedience to God's plan, his obedience, even to death, meant that he would be sent home to live with God forever anyway. So that's perspective. That's why I thought, oh, okay, Arash must have been praying this week. No, I'm kidding. No, just kidding. Um, But, you know, it's perspective. It's like, really? He's sitting there writing all this happy stuff, and he might be executed for, you know, doing, you know, preaching the gospel message. That's crazy. Uh, But it's perspective. And that's how, you know, earlier in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, it talks about having the mind of Christ. Paul talks about having this mind of Christ. He transforms us. Christ transforms what we think is success and not success, uh, uh, living and not living. You know what we even believe in. Uh, 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 what we even believe about death. Christ transforms that within us. You know, you probably heard Paul's famous words: "To live is Christ, but to die is gain." That's perspective. But the consequence that Paul is really focused on is that God provides the strength that you need in every situation when we are completely and totally surrendered to him and in total dependence on God. This perspective, you know, this, this, this perspective he has, it's spiritual maturity, okay? It's it comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. This was not, Paul did not write to us immediately after his revelation of Jesus Christ as, as Lord. We don't read that that happened like this and all of a sudden he's that. No, this was, this was a process. This was a process for Paul and it came with experience walking with God in his, um, uh, through his life with God, whether he found himself in the good or a bad situation, if I can simplify it that way. If we look back at verses 11 through 12 for for just a minute, Paul says, for I have, that's that's the, the grammar, the tense that is being used, for I have learned to be content. This is called the perfect tense. The definition of a perfect tense is a category of verb tense used to describe completed actions. So the secret's out. Paul's answer here in, that we find in 12 and 13 uh, is complete. There's no more adding to it. There's no taking away. He's not going to change his mind. There's no other way to live life than through Christ and by his strength. Amen. The perfect tense also in, indicates that an action or a circumstance occurred earlier. So to, he, he said, I have learned. This implies, you know, a passage of time. And that means that there's a process involved. I just spoke about that. So this conclusion, 
This secret he was so excited to share has been a process for Paul. It's been through the ups and downs of his walk with Christ. Yes, these situations were things that Paul faced as a believer. So you can imagine that for us, bringing it home to us in our own lives, to do this, it's not going to happen in the snap of a finger. Okay, it's, it's, I'm in the process right now. Many of us are in the process right now of really believing, living, and understanding that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's a decision we make daily. It's a commitment we make daily. It's a, it's a denial of self that we make daily. Paul spoke about that as well. Got to deny yourself and take up the cross. Paul encourages all of us to know Jesus Christ in this way. He could have boasted that this was his experience. Hey guys, I'm writing you a letter because I just want to tell you I figured out why I can, I'm doing such great things for the Lord. And it's just not something that might be for you, but it's something that worked for me. And I just wanted to write you because I'm bored in prison. You know, no, he, 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 thank you. Thank you for laughing. Uh, he could have, <laughs> you know, when you think you're funny, but then you're worried other people don't. Anyway, um, he could have boasted that this was his experience, uh, but he didn't. He was, uh, his, he, he considered his life a living sacrifice. This isn't just an experience God blessed him with. It can be all of ours too. Amen. And, and through relationship with God, it's an opportunity for God to change the way, the perspective that we have in our daily life. Trust is a gift. And the consequence of trust in God is contentment. He does this by changing us from the inside by the power of his spirit. So we need to have that spirit of God living in us. Amen. You know, it, it can be a slow process. It can feel difficult at times for our human nature to let go of our own plans. Remember, our human nature and the spirit are always in tension. And, and to let go of that control of plans for our lives and how they're going to work out and what it looks like and what's best for myself. And, but if we listen to these words from Paul, we're not just letting go of our plans into nothing. We're letting go of them, you know, into the hands of God who always had plans for you and me before you even existed. And Paul learned that. It means surrendering our lives and, and our plans to God. You know, it, it's surrendering your plan to God's plan. You don't have to worry about there not being a plan. There's a plan ready for you. If you'll lay down yours so that you could spend time on seeking out the plan that God has for you. We do this when we repent. And we say, Lord, I, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to follow your plan for my life. When we show God our commitment by responding to his love in baptism, in the water, in the saving name of Jesus, and receiving the gift. You know, God just gives gifts. That's what he has for his children. Receiving the gift of his spirit as we give over control of everything. We need his spirit to draw strength from 
We need his spirit to obey his plan in, in the day, you know, day in and day out. We have been discussing, you know, in, in, in small groups. I know this isn't a small group week, but uh, next week we'll pick up another I am in the gospel of John. And we've been discussing um, the I am's in the gospel of John, you know, and we're just listening to how Jesus reveals himself as the source of everything. You know, with the spirit of God in you, God's always in control. We need to allow him to be in control, but he's always in control, even in the situations that are beyond our control. Like Paul sitting in prison for obeying God and doing what he's called to do. Being thrown in prison, that's beyond his control. But Paul assures us, even from that place, that God's plan for his life was being fulfilled, even in the situation that was beyond his control. You know, have you ever been in a situation beyond your control? I know it's a silly question. We all have. If you've lived life at some point, you're gonna, you know, being in in situations beyond our control, maybe it was due to a relationship or an accident or an illness or sickness or a decision you made with consequences you never imagined, or a decision someone else made with consequences you never imagined. Maybe something that you were completely innocent of. And it's not a nice place to be. It doesn't feel good at all. And, and we can't know what tomorrow brings. The rich can lose their riches. The poor can be exalted. This is what Paul is saying. The point is that circumstances are not stable only God is. Do we believe that, you know, God's plan for you is not over because of what your situation looks like, because the situation is beyond your control? He gives us strength to do the things that he's called us to do no matter what. Amen. For Paul, prison didn't determine the end of spreading the gospel. In fact, it propelled it further. And one of his famous sayings in his letters is, uh, you know, again, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What end could there be that would be so bad in Christ? Amen. And so that's the hope that we find, he found in Christ. And it's encouraging to me that it's the hope we can look to and also have in Christ. Amen. So the secret is out. And Paul desired that whoever would believe, who would want to believe, to experience what he did and live it and spread it. We all can have this experience and come to the same conclusion, draw the same conclusion from looking back on our own life within Christ. You can follow follow God's plan for your life in any situation. Yes, you can. Don't trust what situations look like. Our prime example being Paul. Paul's writing, you know, in his, from prison, he's, you know, I, we can trust it. Paul's a great example. Don't trust what the situation looks like, but trust the one who's in control of them and who continually gives us strength. Amen. We can have the musicians come if they're ready. As we go into just a time of prayer, um, listen, if you're going to pray Philippians 4.13, Please tell me 
we're going to apply it the right way, please. Okay, if you're going to come up here and start saying Philippians 4, 13, it better be. No, I'm kidding. But we want to pray. We want to pray and allow God to remind us of his plans for us. Some of us don't believe that we're enough for God to care about giving a plan for us. He died on the cross. He gave his life. He wants to share his spirit with you. He invites in par- you into participation in what he is doing in our world today. God has a plan for you. It's not about if you're enough, if that's the way it, this, that this uh, agreement worked, then he wouldn't have died on the cross. You know, he wouldn't have needed to. It's not dependent on us and who we are. It's dependent on who God is. And he has a plan for each and every one of us. What plans do you need to let go of and surrender to God? What control are we hanging on to? You know, what what looks like, if any, an obstacle in your life that looks like, God, this cannot be part of the plan. This can't possibly be a life lived for Christ. But watch what God does with it. Get some perspective today with Paul's words on situations don't determine the the ending or beginning of God's plan. God determines that. What do you need to seek from the Lord? Are you in a place of plenty where you need God? I need you to help me stay on the straight and narrow because the shiny things are looking so good and I need your help. Are you in a place of need of, uh, you know, destitution in, in any way, of loss or pain. We need strength. You need strength today to serve God through that in your life. He's got a plan. His, his plan for you is his spirit to work inside of you. His plan is to carry you through it all. His plan is to save you. Amen. So if you would, our altars are open. If you're comfortable, Uh, praying up in the front you like to have you know no distraction around you come and pray you can pray in your seat if that's where you're comfortable but if we would just seek God seek God maybe you're ready to give up your plans and say Lord I, I I I want I want to be a part of your plan Lord enter into a prayer of repentance enter into a place where God can show you that this he's got an individualized plan for you. Amen. Jesus, 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 we thank you. We thank you for your word, God. Oh, Lord, help us to apply it to our lives the way it brings you glory, not ourselves, Lord. We can do all things, not because of what we muster up out of ourselves, but because of who you are. Lord, we just lay down the things we want to control. God, we just lay down the the plan we want to hang on to. If it's too good to let go of, Lord, help us to let go of it into your hands. Lord, you, you have good things planned for us. You have gifts to share with us as your children, Lord. God, I pray we're able to receive that today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus.